This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Side Hustlers podcast. I'm your host from iHeartRadio, Carla Marie. Whether this is your very first episode or your almost 100th episode, thank you very much for being here. The live episode of Side Hustlers is going down Saturday, February 22nd, 4 p.m. in the basement of Stumptown Coffee in Seattle. Now, it's going to be right after the full moon market ends, and my guest is Laura Burkhart, and she's got an incredible story. She's been side hustling for over 10 years and she's always adding new side hustles to her list so I'm excited to talk to her and for everyone to hear her story if you can't make it live which it's free by the way it'll be really cool the episode will post later on in the month so you'll get to hear it obviously you will not miss out on anything other than all the fun we'll be having at Stumptown Coffee this Saturday, February 22nd at 4 p.m. Now, if this is your very first episode of Side Hustlers, you've got a lot to catch up on. But in this podcast, I talk to people who are following a passion outside of their day job. They're always inspiring to hear. And especially this week's guest, Jason, his side hustle is creating an online chess instruction program. Now, I have never played a single second of chess in my life, but I still loved hearing Jason's story. And his website is called chessforanyone.com. So let's hear Jason's story. 
for a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get off your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. Today's topic is something I never thought we'd get to talk about on Side Hustlers. It's chess. And I personally have never played a game of chess in my life. So this will be very fun for me to learn about. So I've got Jason here. Hi, Jason. And when I say here, you're not actually here. You are in your car. And how do I pronounce where you live? I I live in Chuila. So right now I'm coming from coaching chess in Spokane. Okay, got it. Chuila. Okay. You recently have just launched your own instructional website for students to learn chess and the website is chessforanyone.com now this is your side hustle but your day job has been some form of teaching chess for how long for seven years i've been teaching chess that is so it's crazy to me because like i said it's not something that i have been passionate about but there's so many people out there obviously you're on this podcast right now who are passionate about the game of chess so Explain how you got into teaching chess and where this love of chess came from. Well, I started playing chess uh, between like fifth and sixth grade. I kind of took to it right away. I really enjoyed the game and I always looked for ways of improving my game, finding people to play against that were good at it. But it was just something that I was always willing to do, not something that I ever thought would be a job. Right. So, you know, I joined the Marine Corps out of high school. And then when I was done, and I played a lot of chess while I was in the Marine Corps. There were lots of people to play. But then when I got out of the Marine Corps, I worked a lumber mill for a couple of years. That wasn't really for me. I thought I should go back to school and make something out of myself. So I did. And I went to school and I wasn't sure what to make out of myself. So I, I got really good grades, but I went to school for like eight years. Wow. And <laughs> I, I I got out of school and well, I was looking for biology jobs, science jobs, because I had a pre- pretty strong science background. All the positions were like lousy hours and really not offering me any more than I was making at the lumber mill. Isn't it crazy when you think about that? You did all of those years for a college degree and you didn't need to. Yeah, it didn't do anything. It didn't improve anything as far as the amount of money that I could make or even make it so that I wouldn't be working those lousy hours. I felt like it was going to be just as unhealthy as a job that I tried to get away from. And I was a little bit upset about that. So I was being very picky and I ended up getting a job as a chess coach, which I really enjoyed that. And I guess it showed. So the schools I was working for, they're like, wait, Jason, you have a biology degree. Uh, Our biology teacher just left. So why don't you take over? And so I took over as a biology teacher and promptly was getting my butt kicked. (laughs) I was spending five to six hours for every hour of class time where I was prepping. Wow. Trying to make slides and PowerPoints because I had nothing to to work with. And uh, I did that and and did my best and worked very hard. And instead ended up getting other classes. I ended up doing PE. We did something called reverse engineering, a bunch of other classes. But eventually I ended up getting more and more chess classes. My chess classes were very popular. So I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I'll take more chess. Yes, more chess, more chess. Now, while you were doing these chess classes that you said were getting popular, were you getting students who had never done chess before and kind of wanted to do it just because other kids were doing it? 
there's always new kids. I probably get at least a dozen new students that have never played per semester throughout all the schools. And that's been a struggle for me, actually, is, is having a brand new student and then having all yeah. these students of other other levels at the same time. You know, I definitely want to spend one-on-one time with that student, but there's also other students I have to spend time with. And so that's why I've created this program, the the Intro to Chess. I'm hoping that all of my students will go through this and I can get a feel for where they are, where they need help, and they can give me feedback for improving the course. So I can get kind of a two-way feedback loop and make myself a better chess coach at the same time, I think. So you've been doing this for seven years. So there's obviously been quite the lead up to launching your own website. It wasn't just, hey, this is fun. Here's a, Let me do this website. There's been a lot in between. So I want to talk about that. Now, you told me that you had been a chess instructor for a prestigious university. University. How did you land that job at that university? So when I moved from Spokane to Chihuahua, I ended up losing a lot of my opportunities. It was just a very small town. I'm living up on a mountain right across from a ski resort in the middle of nowhere. I didn't want to be driving an hour and a half each way mm. to keep some of these schools. So I initially had decided to maybe go back to school to get my teaching degree. But then as I was going through it, I realized I was going to be having to quit the jobs where I was a celebrity. They were like, <laughs> the students would like, you know, mom, there's coach Jason. There's awesome. coach Jason. And I just can't leave those schools. I love that. Yeah. And so I was trying to find ways to make it work. So this prestigious university had an ad basically that was like, you, 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 <laughs> yeah. we're the one, you're the one we want. And I had like all the qualifications for it. So I got the job and I was super excited about it. And it was fantastic. I had, I think I had really good relationships with my students, but the problem was with the arrangement, I didn't really have any kind of relationship with anybody at the university. Okay. It was just me and my students and I knew my students loved me and we, we learned a lot of chess and played a lot of games, analyzed a lot of games. Question. You're in Washington doing this course. These students are from where? All over the place. Um, I still have a couple of the students from Hong Kong, uh, which is very challenging. The time zone, they're 16 hours apart right now. So I'm trying to be flexible for them as well. So sometimes I'm getting up at 3.30 in the morning to meet with my students in Hong Kong. This is crazy. You you have to change AM to PM and then add another four hours. That's how far ahead they are. Oh, wow. So yeah, I was meeting with people all over the world, Australia, England, Japan, Hong Kong, various provinces of China, all over the United States as well. And generally, we were able to work our schedules and make things work for everybody. And and it was really nice because I could meet with somebody while we were on a camping trip or something like like that. So when you were teaching this course, it wasn't like, okay, everyone log in and I'm going to be in doing this video at this time. You actually had almost individual students. It was entirely individualized. Yes, which I would like to, my my, uh, package that I haven't even put together yet is going to include one-on-one which they'll be able to select basically how much one-on-one they want. And then I will be doing consistent classes on different topics throughout the week, and they can join those classes as they like, essentially. I'm going to make an intermediate course that's going to be better than this intro course. It'll be because it'll be more polished. I'll, I'll get the feedback from my students. 
to make this course stand stronger. And that will be included with several meetings per week about various topics that I'll kind of I'll post everybody, let them know when we're doing these particular topics. And then there will also be individualized coaching. They can select basically how many sessions they'd like to meet with me in conjunction with the course. Is there, because I obviously am ignorant when it comes to the world of chess, are there any other companies out there that do what you are trying to accomplish? Besides the university that I was working for, there's not really anything out there because I was looking for other jobs for like chess coaches to work virtually and there really wasn't much. Now there is um, chess.com, but that doesn't offer one-on-one coaching Uh, it has all kinds of other things but it's yeah it's not really targeting that that audience you're filling a gap in the world of chess that a game that has been around for i mean you tell me how long i don't know well ever uh, at least 1500 years there's writings uh, yeah it's crazy (laughs) and it's probably longer much longer than that so yeah yeah, i mean obviously we didn't have the internet for 1500 years but you're filling a gap, which I think is the coolest thing for people who discover their side hustle. They kind of just come up with, well, this is a problem. How do I fix it? And it fits into my passion. Boom. Perfect. And it's magical. Now, obviously, there's a lot of work, as you know, that goes into it that, you know, you wouldn't be doing if you didn't love the game of chess. So obviously, the website chessforanyone.com, it's up and running. It's there. And you also launched your YouTube channel where people can go watch videos. So What was it like, at least just that process, launching the website and the YouTube channel? Because I'm sure that wasn't easy. I promised to put out two videos a week on chess, but it's more like I'm doing four or five probably right now. And it might be that way for a while because I'm trying to fill out the video. There's going to be videos within the courses itself that will be on YouTube. Once I start making the the videos for the intermediate course, maybe I don't put those directly on YouTube. Well, you got to make money off of it at some point. You got to, you got to charge people for it. You're putting work into it. Making the videos. I've enjoyed it. It's, and it's something that I can do from anywhere once again, which is kind of my goal. I want to be able to work from wherever I'm at Mm -hmm. at some point. And I'm not, in a hurry, that would be nice. If, if 10 years down the road, I could work from anywhere I wanted, fantastic. Yeah, I'm not in a hurry to leave right now. Like I said, I've got schools that love me. I don't want to abandon my, my students. What was it like the day you woke up and said, I'm going to create my own website? What was it? Did something click? Like, what was that light bulb moment for you? You know, I was oblivious. I should have been doing this a long time ago. <laughs> my wife inspired me to do it. I have a weakness that has been a problem for a long time. And I so I've never really been around much money. Like talk of money or anything to do with money was really stressful for me. So at, at a fairly young age, like, you know, my 20s or something mm-hmm. like that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> I'm not going to think about it. I try to avoid any thoughts of it and just hope things work out, essentially. And uh my wife pointed out to me that that definitely was not the way to look at the world. <laughs> I mean, and... it would be nice to be able to do that. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out the best, but I understand it completely. It's the, one of the most stressful things we deal with, if not the most stressful thing we deal with as humans in society today. So being able to block it out would be great, ex- except the world is functioning around us, focusing on it. So your wife told you to start your own online chess course. When you looked at her, were you like, you're crazy? I think at first I was, and then I was actually reading a book by Tim Ferriss at the time. The book is a four-hour work week, and I was like, you know what? 
that actually is genius. I don't know why I didn't think of that before. You know, so initially I was, for at least seconds or maybe minutes, I was resistant to it, and then mm. I was like, wait a second, this is maybe this is perfect. And then um, I started to believe it, and uh, now I'm I definitely believe in it now. I'm like, yes, this can Duh. this will work. <laughs> this is great. I'm I'm actually perfectly positioned to do this. I this is what I do for a, a living already. I just have to translate it to online, and I already work online in the school. So, how long from the moment your wife gave you the idea? Like, when was that day? First or second week of January, and well, so I a month ago. That I, yeah, the product that I'm making now as far as a chess court is something that my students can use right now. It's just something that mm-hmm. will be helpful in the classroom. So I have nothing to lose. I need to just get on it, start making it, and I think things will go in the right direction. So, so your current students that you have at school, have you talked to them about what you're doing? Have you told them about chessforanyone.com? So I've recently been showing them the site and I've gave them some incentive to actually go through and try the challenge questions for a couple of reasons. First of all, some of my classrooms, I have 20, 25 students in a a classroom. And so their knowledge gaps can be missed. Mm -hmm. Like I may not know that they don't even know how to set the board up entirely properly. I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Yeah, there's something simple like just you're supposed to have a white square on the right when you set up the chessboard. If you don't, it kind of shifts everything and you're not going to have the same game. And so there's little details that I've noticed that some of my students that I thought had a good grasp on the game, when I really look at it, I'm like, oh, no. How did we miss that? (laughs) Oh, no. So this course, I'm hoping with them actually going through it, I'll know which students are struggling with what aspect of the game. Cool. And on top of that, they will be able to discover the aspects of my course that I have goofed up on, which I already found one today as I was showing it to my students. I didn't point it out to them because basically if they point something out that is wrong with my course, they get an extra bonus. So they're... I think excited to do that. Very smart of you to use them to kind of help you build this. It is really cool that you do have kind of these, these guinea pigs as you're planning this course, who I'm sure are very happy to help you. I I think so. Yeah. And I, like I said, it's also going to be benefiting a lot of them. Some of my students will just do it because they want that gift basically. And they probably don't need any of that information. I want to go back to when you told me you so you were working for a prestigious university teaching this online course. You're not doing that anymore. And I want you to talk about what happened there, because a lot of people have setbacks in their lives and they look at it like this is the end of the world. But really, I feel like you have taken it and now you've taken everything you learned from there and you're building something even bigger and better for you and for the product as a whole. So talk about what happened, because I think that'll be super inspiring for people to hear. There was a certain number of hours per week that I could work, or actually per year that I could work for the university. And there was also where I posted my hours, there was a running number, which I thought was the number of hours that I was supposed to be able to work per year. I knew there was a certain number I was allowed to hit. And there was a number where I logged my hours that kept increasing by the amount of hours that I added. As it turned out, that actually wasn't my hours for the year. That was the hours since my anniversary date starting working there, like the the anniversary of the year. So it had nothing to do with that number. So I wasn't worried about it. I I knew that I had like 350 hours left to work in the year. And so everything was good. And I got a call one morning like, Jason, stop working. You can't take any more meetings. Just stop everything you're doing right now. 
And I had like 20, 22 students at the time. And I was basically supposed to just tell them all that I couldn't meet them with them anymore. And, and that that's was it. Just, insane. I didn't get fired or anything there. Right. It was it, the issue was I, I just couldn't work. This was like beginning of August. I wasn't supposed to work until October, which meant I was losing a significant amount of money yeah. to, to me and my family. And my wife was upset about it. Um, I was certainly upset about it. She was more so because of that, that issue I had with like trying to block out the whole money thing. Of course. And I made some bad moves trying to work things out. Like they had sent me this email that I was supposed to send out like saying, basically it looked like I was some sort of criminal being indicted. That's what I felt like. I was like, you know, sorry, oh, I'm students. not going to be able to meet to all my students. And I didn't want to send it out. I told my supervisor I couldn't send it out. And I ended up contacting all my students and kind of letting them know what had happened. And yeah, so I got fired. <laughs> oh, my God. So are you in touch with any of those students now? I, I am. I'm still meeting with students from oh, the... yeah, all over the world, okay. uh, England and, and Hong Kong occasionally. Not as much, nowhere near as much as I had when I was working at the university. I tried apologizing. Like, I'm sorry, I did not think that this was wrong. Um, I really appreciated the job. I really liked the job. Yeah. Is there anything we could work it out? And they just like ignored me. So... Well, universities <laughs> have the craziest rules. It's like a that's it one mistake and then not even a mistake but one thing and they're just like done by whatever yeah. it is it is really tough working for a university but look what's come out of it it may have taken you to what when did that happen that was uh, back in august the end of august and uh yeah i didn't know what to do i started applying for substitute teaching jobs and I've been trying to get jobs on the mountain working. So I, I live right next to 49 degrees north and cool. try to get like a groomer job or something like that. And then, yeah, like I said, in early January, my wife kind of pointed me in the right direction. And I was just like, obviously, I should get on Duh. it. Yeah, well, it <laughs> yeah. is really cool. Yeah. So then looking at you right now, you're super excited to launch this. You're like, this is my calling. I want to do it. And then rewinding to you seven years ago when you were, you know, saying, I don't want to think about money. I don't want to think about this. And you were kind of, I guess, timid to jump into something like this. What would you now tell you seven years ago to kind of give yourself a kick in the butt? <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if I would have started making like video content and stuff right off the bat, start making two videos a day, seven years years ago mm -hmm. i'd have coaches working for me now yeah. <laughs> and that that's i mean that's kind of the like very long-term goal it'd be cool if i could just fill that niche to where yeah i end up having other coaches that that work with me as well but for now i just want to be able to have coaching that i can do in the summer work with students year round mm -hmm. and all over the world you know with a with a flexible that would be fantastic. Okay, so then I, I want you to do one last thing. Sell someone like me who has never played a game of chess in their life. Why should I pick up the game of chess and obviously learn at chessforanyone.com? But why should I check out the game of chess? Humans have been playing chess for more than 1,500 years. So it's kind of like reaching across time and, mm -hmm. and participating with those people from more than 1,000 years ago. And chess itself... It, it on the surface it's actually kind of simple when you look at it it's just six pieces just six different types of pieces you know how complicated could that be well <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a loaded question it is extremely deep when it comes down to it when you really want to get into the game it is very deep and you learn caution you learn that 
you know, when the, when the chips are down, maybe you've made a few bad moves. As long as you're vigilant, you mm-hmm. can actually come back and take advantage of the, you know, the other person's overconfidence, essentially. Well, you sold me on the whole idea of being able to kind of reach back in time. I think that's really cool. And there really aren't many things that we get to do today that have been around for that long. And I think that just the art of chess in that aspect is really cool. And it's amazing that you're taking something that's so old and making it modernized by having an online course. And I hope that people will go to your website, chessforanyone.com to learn more and to at least look into the game and uh, help you out with, you know, getting the YouTube videos, if they can check out the videos and comment anyone who listens to this podcast to go do that. I think it'll be really cool. I'm excited to see where chessforanyone.com goes and I want everyone to go and, and check it out and uh, support you. So thank you. This is, uh, it was actually kind of overwhelming. I was like, whoa, a podcast, uh, <laughs> but it was awesome timing and uh, I certainly appreciate you doing this for me. Support Jason by checking out chessforanyone.com. If you see anything you want to let him know about, or if you have any ideas for him, he would love to hear from you. Reach out to Jason. Again, it's chessforanyone.com. And don't forget, this Saturday, I've got the 100th episode of the Side Hustlers podcast going down live right after the full moon market ends in Seattle. Um, It's at the basement of Stumptown Coffee. But you can get all of the information on my Instagram. It's at the Carla Marie. It's all there, but it is at 4 p.m. Um, hope to see you there. And if you can't make it, you can obviously listen to all the episodes of Side Hustlers that you missed or listen to my morning show. It goes down weekday mornings on 106.1 KISS FM in Seattle. You can listen to it live on our free iHeartRadio app from anywhere in the world, or you can listen to the podcast version of the show. You obviously love podcasts if you're here. If you search for Carla Marie and Anthony, you'll be able to to listen to it, but I'll include a link to all the things I just mentioned in the description of this podcast. Until next week, keep hustling. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.